Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. This is RU Fan Jerry, and welcome to another edition of the Our Big Show. Rutgers uh, comes back home and will host Nebraska Cornhuskers. The Cornhuskers making their first ever trip to Piscataway. Uh, these two teams are playing for only their third time. Last year, of course, uh, the game took place in Lincoln, and they played back in the 1920s, which took place in New York. So the Scarlet Knights will be hosting another one of colleges, college football's storied universities or storied college football programs in Nebraska. And a reminder of the fact that the Scarlet Knights are in the Big Ten, and uh, <laughs> we've been getting reminded a lot uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, really a tough stretch, a brutal stretch of, of football that we've talked about before in the show, um, and it has not gone, or it has gone, unfortunately, as many as expected, but uh, really it's been a tough stretch with obviously the trip out to Michigan last week. Uh, and then there was uh, Wisconsin and uh, Ohio State uh, before that, and just three really tough games. Uh, for those who looked at the schedule early in the season, I think um, the outcome here, and especially immediately when you saw Michigan was going to be playing uh, a lot different than they were last year, that the game that Scarlet Knights would probably have the best chance is this Nebraska game will be a home game. It's a three thirty game. Uh, if the game is competitive or going into the night as the light turns away, it's an opportunity to have a good crowd, a good atmosphere. The weather will be good. So this presents probably the best, the best opportunity for Rutgers to win. And now with a record, obviously at, at three and six, they need to win their final three games to, uh, to become bowl eligible. And that would start on Saturday with Nebraska, obviously winnable games against Army and Maryland at home to ground out the season. But uh, for all intents and purposes, this is the game for the bowl season uh, and and really an opportunity to right the ship with Leonte Carew now being upgraded to probable. And, uh, you know, no, no, you know, there's no doubt about it. It's been a tough stretch. Uh, I, I, you know, before uh, we start the show, I want to really kind of, give my little perspective of of myself going out to uh, Michigan this past weekend, which is why there was no show last week. Uh, a, a, and I'll be honest, I also have a, a, a family out of Michigan, so it was an opportunity for me to get out there. The kids were off Thursday, Friday, take a nice trip, uh, did the whole road trip, toured the campus on Friday, and just a beautiful campus. I have been there before to see a game. This was my second time. But the one thing to put in perspective is I had an opportunity to be on campus more on Friday um, and touring just the university itself, a beautiful university, one of the nicest. Uh, they've had this law quad and just beautiful buildings, the architecture and the way that they do things out there. But as you transform and take yourself and look at where you are and, and just the athletic facilities that go beyond just this stadium that it's obviously a monumental stadium in and of itself, but the facilities that they have for basketball, for field hockey, for soccer, for all these different things. And you have to realize that 
Rutgers is a long way from competing with these programs. But most importantly, I think now just having taken this trip out to Michigan and now my second time going out, I went out to, to Penn State also earlier and, and just realized the whole pomp and circumstance and just that it is a lot of tra- tradition that is out there. And it, it's big time. It's a machine. It's not even about the players that are on the field. It's about the program and the uniforms that are there. And the players will cycle through this. And of course, it's amazing to, to be adorned by 400,000 fans. And you see that, uh, you know, you see players from New Jersey on these teams, like obviously uh, Peppers that we saw, Jabot Peppers there. And, and, and you understand what it is that, that the cell is there. But you also realize where, where Rutgers has to get itself going in terms of the administration and what they need to take to win. And it's a lot of money and it's a lot of commitment, commitment, not just have doing things. It, you have to go all in when you, trust me, when you look at the facilities that go beyond just football, the athletic, amazing, amazing. And Rutgers has a long way to go. So I think it definitely, those, anyone who else has the opportunity to go out there, my, the number is 914-338-1694. I would like to get some thoughts from, from anyone else who made the trip. Uh, again, it was a good experience uh, up until about the third quarter when it started to get cold and <laughs> a little bit brutal. But um, I think uh, uh, you realize a long ways to go. But back to, uh, you know, there is some positivity, again, in these last three games of the season. So I'm going to welcome Sam uh, from from ScarlerReport.com, who's been on the show before, and kind of get a mood for the show, for the team and where they're at. And, uh, you know, no doubt, Leonte Carew's status being upgraded to probable is probably uh, something that gives the fans a, a little bit to look forward to. And, uh, you know, we're definitely, anyone willing or wanting to talk uh, coaching issues, I welcome you to call 914-338-1694 and, and touch base a little bit about uh, some of the fan uh, reactions or, or, or current mode of the Scarlet Nation right now. Uh, first, I want to welcome back Sam to the show. Sam, how you doing? I'm doing well, and from listening to you, it sounds like we agree about that Michigan road trip. It really shows you how far Rutgers has to come, but also what Rutgers has forward. You know, they can really look forward to something in the next couple of years. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and, you know, so much talk right now about, you know, obviously, you know, there's a, I don't know how to measure how large the percentage of the Rutgers population, you know, like, oh, you know, replacing the coach and bringing people in, but you'll hear a lot of talk about the money and the money it costs to, to bring in the type of coaches and the type of facilities that attract these players. And, and Rutgers is, you know, really, it's not there yet. They're not getting the full share. And, you also see what revenues are brought in from being in Big Ten and doing this for years and, and also filling a 100,000 stadium and, and where this, this money goes. And it's just, uh, uh, you know, I was kind of just, just shocked right, by you know, some of these non-revenue sports and the facilities that they had. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, I, I went in Friday for a little bit. I stayed out in Detroit for the weekend, but visited Ann Arbor Friday, and I was getting a tour from someone I know out there, and they said, oh, over here you'll see our $9 million field hockey facility, and right there is our $12 million softball field. Rutgers does not have that and won't have that for a long time, and it just shows you that this is what can eventually happen if you do things the right way in the Big Ten. And that, and that's the key. You said exactly what you, you do things the right way. And you know, my point of my uh, monologue there is, it's it's 
it has to come straight down. I, so, I, you know, I don't know if you had a chance to tour the, the, the that spinning cube on, on the campus. Uh, no, like, no, like I didn't. It's cube. It's pretty cool. So, you know, I stopped there with my family and uh, actually met another group of Rutgers fans and we were chatting. And then halfway through our conversation, a, uh, a Michigan professor actually walks by and introduced himself uh, as a professor, he says, yes, I'm a professor, you know, you know, I'm so happy to see, you know, new people coming to our campus. And and it was funny because when he walked away, uh, the other fellow that I just met and we're like, you know, and I don't mean this negative, but he's like, you know, I don't know if that would happen at Rutgers. And, and, and we were like, you know, that's that's true. And and I think that's that's the whole mindset where, where they're all they're all behind this and realize that this makes. Uh, the university, one of the best in the country, and and the football team is something that helps to promote and, and propel that that notion, and it's it's uh, something that has to be bought in from everyone from the top down. Yeah, I can think of a couple of uh, my Rutgers professors that would have seen <laughs> football fans and just said, "Oh, you guys like football? Have a nice day," and moved on. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely uh, uh you know again in. So you spent some time in Detroit. I, I, I spent, uh, you know, outside the area of Ann Arbor. And the other thing was even, you know, game day wise, and you saw this also at Penn State, but everyone is wearing their colors. And these are people that are not going to the school uh, and, and also Michigan State. And, and just it's it's a totally different, you know, it, it will take a long time to get that. And I agree that it's not just, you know, can something get a flip a switch? And, and there's definitely a lot of kids out there now that are going to Rutgers games and being exposed to it. Uh, but but it is definitely a, an experience to, to be had. Sure. I mean, I, I don't think that, yeah, it's certainly impressive to see 80,000 people in their seats for kickoff when you compare it to Rutgers. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many people are cheering for you. It's about winning. And Rutgers has shown it can do that. Uh, with no fans in the seats, and, and it can lose when they're sold out. So it's really about that football product at the end of the day. Definitely, definitely. Uh, that's something I've had a conversation with uh, Shannon, who's come over here and he made the trip against the Ohio State. And, you know, you had that talk about kind of at the end of the game and how everyone bailed out. And, you know, I said this, this is a little bit different here because it's, a, it's an event-driven area and, you know, uh, uh, you know, you have the Mets in the World Series, you have, you know, the Knicks and the Rangers and everything going on, the Devils, and, and people, you know, their attention span, is, it's it's not it's not only about college football. So if, if the event is there and the game is going well, it's going to be a packed place and it's going to be crazy up until the end. So I think most people know that, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to, like you said, winning. And really, in the case of Rutgers, it's, it's you know, keeping – the players in state, you know, I had a chance. I was peeking on the uh, Paramus Catholic St. Joe Montbrow game and watching like Rashad and Gary, and he's just, you know, you think about Peppers and you think about all these other players, uh, you know, Eli Apple and and some, and just you know, there's so much talent in the state. I mean, that's really where it comes down to is keeping these players home, or, or at least a handful of them, and being able to compete. Yeah, I would think that. I mean, Rutgers needs to be more competitive with guys that you mentioned. That's the thing is that the last couple of years, those guys haven't really even been considered Rutgers by the end, whereas, you know, early in Kyle Flood's tenure and then late in Greg Shiano's tenure, every single one of those guys had Rutgers as a finalist. And that, I think, makes it a little more painful for the fans to watch some of these games, seeing Eli Apple make a play, seeing what uh, Penn State's doing, 
it's not fun to watch. But then again, Rutgers has its own Jersey kids and has guys like Janarian Grant from Florida that, you know what, they, they'll do it for themselves. That's a great point. I mean, uh, and there definitely is a core and a foundation here, but, you know, when you look at players that are special, you know, you need those players to make big plays and to, to step up in big type of situations. And, and it's nothing against the players that are here. It's just, there's not enough of them. There's not enough Leonte Carews. There's a guy stay home or, or, or Hamilton, you know, you see the type of impact that Carew has on the field and and here's just one of uh, you know the four star type of players that that they did keep home. If you have five of them, uh, and you know just you play the numbers game, you know three or four of those guys are pan out, and and you have you know quality. Now getting back to the game coming up this weekend, I you know there's no doubt it. You know we looked at the schedule, and and you kind of knew that this one was probably the game that was giving you the best chance because they're home. Nebraska is probably not having the same type of season as the other guys. Um, but now they go and they knock off Michigan State. So, <laughs> I, you know, that quickly takes away, oh, we got a team that's slumping and feeling down on themselves until now a rejuvenated team that's saying, well, we just be one of the best teams in the country and, uh, you know, let's go make a bowl. So uh, probably, you know, on the flip side, Rutgers is still probably now buckling down thinking, you know, we, we, we have to win three games in a row and why not? You know, is that the feeling that you get? from being around the team? I, I do. I, I look at this game, and I, I said it at the beginning of the year. I think I said it on your podcast that this is the this is the biggest game of the year. Um, it, it's a game where Rutgers was always going to be the underdog, and it's a game that Rutgers always could have won regardless of the situation, and that's still how I look at it. They are underdogs, and they deserve to be underdogs based on how they've played compared to Nebraska. But it's a winnable game for Rutgers, and it's a game that they got to win. Uh, if they lose this game, it's going to be Kyle Flood's worst record since his time taking over as head coach. If they win this game, then they got a heck of a lot of momentum going into the push for a bowl game. So, yeah, it's a huge game. Now, the uh, decision, you know, Rutgers and college football in general kind of play close to the vest when it comes to injury. Um, I was kind of curious about the decision to to kind of label, you know, Carew as probable. Uh, You know, typically they try to be coy with that. Uh, You know, I wonder if also was A, you know, you you probably have a better take on this, like is he completely healthy? And and B, is it also something to kind of give a little bit of positivity around the program? Uh, I would say to A, no, and to B, yes. So I don't see Leonte Carew as completely healthy or or close to it when – you talk about an ankle injury like he has, it takes a long time to heal, and you don't just magically go from not medically cleared to 100%. But I do think that Kyle Flood decided to stray from his usual injury policy. It's a weird policy, and I think he strayed from here to inspire confidence. Um, I think Leonte Cruz is going to play. Uh, I don't think he's going to be 100%, but I don't think that's going to matter because whatever version of number four Nebraska sees out there, they're going to have to pay attention to him, and that's going to open it up for other guys. I look at games like Maryland last year where, you know, Leontay Crew didn't have the biggest game, but because Maryland paid so much attention to him, you got breakout games from other guys. And I think that best-case scenario for Rutgers, Carew takes the attention, Janarian Grant and Carl Nagadosi and Andre Patton make the plays. 
Uh, that's yeah, it's a great point. I mean, uh, yeah, we talked about the Maryland game and where that game they had the opportunity to work on with Hatton and and, and uh, of course that was Nova. And I think you know, it's obviously we're still waiting for that type of game from from uh, Lamiano to somebody else. Uh, it, it's obviously great that we have the opportunity to get Carew back in there, but he still needs to to show that he can. Uh, get some more of the players involved. Now, what about uh, in terms of the the injury front? Um, you know, any other key injuries? Uh, you know, obviously Paul James is always kind of a uh, a concern around this time uh, of the year. He, he didn't get any carries last last week. Uh, uh, is he going to be healthy for this game? Uh, I don't think he's going to be a hundred percent, but I think he's going to play. I think he's going to start. When I look at that Michigan game, I look at. Paul James was very close to playing, and I think they just decided, you know what, let, let's hold him out and let's save him for Nebraska where we might really need him. Because you look at that Michigan game, was Paul James really going to be the difference maker? No, he wasn't. Robert Martin had a great game anyway. But against Nebraska, I think that you need that veteran running back. So to me, it, it just made sense to save him and, and get him ready for these games where you really need him. You know, obviously when a team loses, you know, there's two people who are going to take it on the chin. Uh, number one is going to be the coach, and number two is usually the quarterback. So, uh, you know, I think Jerry's still out on, on flood as he's still, to me, you know, we'll, you know, I want to talk about this a little later, but I get some call-ins as people, you know, always around the time of the year toss around the idea, well, is it better for the team to not make the bowl game? And, you know, forget it. To me, you win and deal with things later. At the end of the day, you, he he can't. He's not in a situation where he is fireable yet because they still have a chance to make a bowl game. So his season to me is not yet completed. They finish this at six and six, and then you step back and say again, here's a team that won eight and five last year, six and six this year. Uh, you know, it's still meeting expectations. You want to talk about falling short of, of, of higher expectations? That's different. But then the second is, is Laviano and. You know, a lot of it gets to be. I guess my question would be for you more is, uh, you know, he's had a difficult time in terms of stretching the ball. I mean, 97 yards last week, an interception, 11 out of 26. Um, but he is also under constant pressure. And uh, is is some of his struggles due a little bit to his ceiling, or you know, really the offensive line also not protecting in a game like last week? It's a it's a tough situation. Uh, let me say first off that I, I've been a proponent. I've been on the uh, Hayden Reddick side really since the end of training camp. I thought that when Laviano got in trouble for uh, you know his one half suspension, to, in my opinion, that was the final straw in terms of Hayden Reddick deserves to be the starting quarterback. Now you flash forward a couple months, and yeah, I'd like to see a little more of Reddick. But with the amount of time and reps that Rutgers has invested in Chris Laviano, right or wrong, I feel like you're at a point now where you're stuck with him, so you might as well commit to him. He, he's taken so many practice reps. He's got so much more experience than Reddick, and there's no question that he knows the offense better and that his teammates believe in him in a way that they might not believe in Hayden Reddick. So to me, you have to – you have to stick with Chris Laviano now while you're still playing for a bowl game. He he truly does give Rutgers the best chance to win. I know that his stats are ugly, but he's he's the least of their concerns. I mean, like you said, he's taking hits every other play. 
They're not running the ball too well. The defense is having a lot of trouble, and you're playing literally three of the top five defenses in the NCAA. So when you put all that together, yeah, Chris Laviano's numbers are ugly, but I really believe he still gives Rutgers the best chance to win right now. It's very interesting that, uh, you know, just to note, uh, you know, we, I have a lot of guys come on the show, and uh, uh, obviously you, you know, representing uh, the Scout Network, I get Bobby Darren, some, some over at Rivals, uh, and he's kind of intimated also that kind of felt that Reddick was the guy too. And, um, you know, it's just an interesting thing where, you know, as a fan, when I'm at the game, I try to be objective. And we all saw, you know, again, it was Norfolk State, but I think I saw enough in my in the terms of what I saw as a potential leader and a guy that looked like he had it, quote-unquote it. Uh, again, it was Norfolk State. It was the first half. Uh, is it also in terms that, Maybe he doesn't run play action or some of the rollouts that they want to keep in the offense and, and it would have to change the offense a little bit. Is that some of what may be, uh, you know, the hesitancy to go with him early in the season? Uh, I mean, he, he is less mobile than Chris Laviano, but I don't really think that's it. When I look at it, I, I, I see that the Rutgers coaching staff has known Chris Laviano longer and they've committed to him longer. And I think that, They've given him the benefit of the doubt there, where even when he's struggling, they, they know what kind of kid he is because they've had him around longer. And, and also, th- there's no question that Chris Laviano knows the offense better. He knows the pre-snap duties better. And, and to me, that's the thing. They trust him more as a game manager. And, and I mean, I do too from that aspect. Uh, you look at Hayden Redding and look at how much trouble he had. They had to burn two timeouts against Ohio State when Hayden Redding was in just to put together that drive. So I can understand it from that standpoint that they, they trust Laviano more mentally and they want a quarterback that knows the playbook in and out. That's good. That's good. Yeah. So, you know, I guess, again, I don't want to spend too much time on talking about the, the, really the play of the, uh, the quarterback um, when you can't stop a, a team from scoring uh, right. each and every time. I mean, a lot of pressure is, I mean, we're talking about, you know, you never want to beat up on, on, a, on a particular unit of players, but, uh, you know, we know the situation about the defensive backs and the, you know, shorthanded, uh, but this is really getting to be, you know, it's historically one of the worst stretches of college football ever when you patch up these games together. Remember the, the victory against Indiana was a 52 or whatever the final score of that 55-52 game. Right, so <laughs> it's four games of of some really you know ugly defense, and I, I don't know if there's going to be any a mix other than there seems to be really no pressure on the quarterback. Uh, I mean, there you know, it's Tommy Armstrong. It has to be just you know thinking Heisman this weekend because it's, it's you got to be licking your chops, and if you you know is. Is it because obviously they miss uh, Hamilton and and Teray is still not a hundred percent? But um, you know, wh- where, why do you think there's really just having so much problems getting to the quarterback this year? You know, I, I think that I go back. It's tough because it, you see a defense that's playing this badly, and everybody wants to blame somebody. But really, you, you can't blame anybody out there, and that's that's what's tough about it is they've had. So many issues with attrition, with the arrests, the suspensions, all that kind of stuff. And you could argue that that falls upon the head coach and he's to blame. But at the same time, no head coach could predict 
that kind of off-season shenanigans. Um, when I look at the lack of quarterback pressure, I, I don't blame Joe Rossi. I don't blame the defensive front seven. I, I look at Joe Rossi and I see a guy that says, look at our secondary. We've got to protect these guys as much as possible, and that means we can't blitz. Now, they've tried blitzes, and these linebacker safety blitzes are what the Rutgers defense is based on, and when they go for it, they get burned. So it's either play it safe and the middle of the field is wide open, which is what we saw against Michigan, or you can try the blitzes and they don't work. It's it's really a tough situation, and there's really nobody to blame. It's like I feel like Joe Rossi's tried just about everything, and nothing has really worked yet. Yeah, I mean, you know, ranked 122 in the nation in pass defense, uh, you know, giving up over 300 yards a game. And, and, again, that's that's for the whole season. So, you know, I don't have the numbers in the last couple of games, but uh, it seems to be the same script. I mean, again, Nebraska is going to have some athletes that, you know, quarterback that that's fairly mobile. And, uh, you know, they'll, they'll be getting these balls out in the in, in space and trying to make the, the young defensive backs uh, tackle and, and like you said, uh, you know, the one player I do want to say, I, I just have like a tremendous, uh, just tremendous, tremendous uh, amount of respect for it. And all these players and, and are trying very hard, you know, you know, it's, and it's hard to get down on them. But uh, just Steve Long is just like he, inspirational out there sometimes. I mean, I think he must have had like, uh, you know, maybe like six or seven tackles in the first quarter. I mean, chasing down screens 30 yards down the field and, uh, you know, all over the place. Uh, uh, you know, I think the linebacker play is one unit that that is definitely, you know, the highlight of this team. It's it's just unfortunate that you said that you know it's a combination of the defensive backs uh, being so green, and and really not in the right positions as well as um, you know not getting after the quarterback from the front four. Yeah, the the linebackers, specifically the outside linebackers, Kawan Lewis has had his struggles, and I think when you watch him, you see both why Rutgers was excited about him and why South Carolina was okay to let him leave. You know, there's some good and some bad there. But when I look at both outside linebackers, Steve Longa's getting the stats, but to me, Quentin Gauze is the MVP of this defense. He He's all over the field. He, he's gotten better and better every year. And this is a kid that Rutgers didn't even know what position he would play two or three years ago. I mean, they were trying him at fullback, at the R position. They tried him at defensive end. And now you flash forward three years, and he's a legit NFL prospect. I'm very impressed with him, both from a leadership standpoint and from a football standpoint. He's the guy in the locker room. People don't see this. He's the guy in the locker room after every game that talks to the media about anything. You know, they lose by 50 points, and Quentin Gauze is still there to face the music. And I really respect that about him. Well, he's the guy I think that probably will have a career in in, in, uh, the broadcast media as well. I know he's done some of that work as well. So one of the great Rutgers men that are out there, and I agree with that. Now I'm going to flip it back, um, you know, the, the discussion that we had about uh, the quarterback play and position and, and a little bit about game planning because as bad as Rutgers has been against the pass, Nebraska's actually been worse, and that's pretty <laughs> – they're, they're ranked 124 in the nation and giving up 319 yards a game. So um, – it, here's the thing. Here's a team when you know a, a coach to me, whether you know 
uh, I, I always talk use you know for those of the Knicks fans like Pat Riley when when he was in the Lakers at Showtime and comes to the Knicks who had none of that and and gritty guys and he becomes the most defensive minded coach out there and, and Belichick's another example who plays to your your what the other team does now if you're playing a team that is poor against the pass I don't think you can just go in there and try to run it down their throat you need to exploit some of their weaknesses and, and do you think that Rutgers will try early in the game to maybe spread it out a little bit, get the ball in the hands of, of Grant and Pat and use Carew as, as while he's still early on in the game there? Or do you think that, you know, they'll try to just go down the route of, of you know, pounding the ball and, and play action? I think that Rutgers has a formula that it believes in and just sticks with it. And you look at the way they've handled the running back rotation – you look at the way they handle the run-pass ratio. They come up with a plan, and they stick with it, and they believe in it. Sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. I I would be very surprised to see them put this game on Chris Laviano's shoulders to throw it 35, 40 times to try and win it. I think that they're going to try to establish the run. They have three great running backs and they're at home, and they've run the ball better at home. So I think they're going to try and establish the run, and they're going to sell it, and they're going to sell it, and that's when you're going to get the play action. That's when you're going to get Leontay Carew streaking down the field, whether he's healthy or not. I think they're going to stick with the same game plan that we've seen, that everybody's seen, but it's a game plan that they believe in, and it's a game plan that's worked before. Yes, yes. Uh, I guess it's a good point in terms of running the ball at home and, and as opposed to uh, these games. But then it's a little skewed, obviously, as you mentioned earlier, you know, with Michigan and Wisconsin's defense being, you know, some of the best that you're going to see out there. And, and uh, you know, Michigan's defense, its rush defense itself is, is you know, averaging, I think it's 2.5 yards a carry. And, and, and Rutgers did well to actually, you know, uh, Martin had the big run, of course, but I mean right. he was, you know, over eight, eight yards a carry, and, and and Hicks, you know, did well too. So it's interesting, but I, I think you know, I would like to see them kind of uh, open it up a little bit. I mean, in terms of like when Indiana, you saw here was a team that was a poor defending team against the pass, and and when he had to throw the ball, Robbie Allen did put up some numbers. Uh, you know, I'm not saying obviously come out and and wing it all over the field, but uh, you know the aggressiveness of on offense will be will be interesting to see. So uh, I take from that. So I, before I let you go, I guess you know the one thing you, you know you mentioned about the, the mood of, of the team in, in terms of uh, you know where they are and, and and you know looking at this as an opportunity. I think I talk. I probably ask you this every time I have you on, but uh, you know players. Uh, you mentioned Juwan Harris maybe coming on. You know, as the season gets on, any any other new players that may potentially, you know, have an opportunity to jump out of us that we haven't seen yet and get on the field? You know, I I really hope that we don't see anybody new. I I really thought the decision to play Dante Owens this late in the year was strange, and Najee Clayton was a bit of a stretch in Game 7 as well. So I I really hope Mm -hmm. that this is it. But then again, you have some guys that have sniffed the field and not done a lot that could contribute by the end of the season. I, I yeah, look I at not just not just freshmen, but I guess are there even some other uh, you know guys. I, I, you know, maybe like a, a Vance Matthews or just as an example, players who who are 
have some experience in a program that they might be able to get on this list. Sure. Well, I, I think that uh, I think that Najee Clayton has earned himself a bigger role. Uh, Kai Hester's had some troubles at safety, and Clayton is very hit or miss. But you see that play he made against Michigan, and there's probably some more in him. So he's worth watching to me. And then I also look at linebacker where Deontay Roberts, the freshman, he's had a really good season on special teams. I'd like to see him get a few more reps wherever. And the same goes for Kevin Marquez at linebacker. I thought he's made a good transition from fullback to linebacker. And those two guys can contribute on special teams. And when you have so many veterans at linebacker that are kind of battling injuries right now. I'd, I'd like to see those young guys play a little bit more. Uh, you know, it's an interesting thing what you mentioned with um, uh, Nigel Clayton. Uh, I, I, I'm 100% against that move. And, uh, you know, it's it's game seven into his freshman year. I look at Michigan State and Michigan State been known for doing this, where they you basically they redshirt almost every player. You know that I I think there's been one or two exceptions over the last couple of years. It's just such a big difference between a player going into that second or third year. That's a 21 year old third year program, and and it's to me a little bit short sighted on the fly. And I, and I just you know again when you take a step back and look at things historic, you know. I guess he's trying to win games and he's trying to save, you know, and, and I can't blame him. I mean, no one could blame anyone that's trying to save their job, but right. you know, he's probably looking at a guy like Clayton, like this guy could help me beat Maryland. You know, this guy could help me win that game. But, you know, I, I would like to have seen him have four more years and, and do this in practice and, and, you know, have, you know, Hester work it out himself over this year. And because, Again, the kind of defense they've been playing, you know, what was Clayton going to do in these last three games to make a difference? But I guess he's looking at that, and, and nothing is wrong with that. Uh, you know, in, as a, the team is trying to be bowl eligible, the season's not done. So, But, yeah, I, I just wish that some of those guys would, would stay and get that, you know, extra you know year and uh, when you're this late in the season, as you say. Yeah, with the Clayton one I... – I understand both sides of the argument for Najee Clayton. I, I agree with you. I, I was against it when he came in, but we'll see how it plays out. As far as Dante Owens playing last week, I, I thought that was just plain weird. I mean, you're down by 30 points, game nine, and you put this kid in. I mean, I, I, I don't understand it. Um, I mean, if he catches three touchdowns against Maryland, I'll be the first one to tell you that I'm wrong. But I don't understand game nine playing a kid like that we'll see how it plays out the last month but i found that very strange and and one more thing i guess in terms of um hester uh you know his struggles i, I mean to me what i saw particularly in the michigan state game or you know there was there was definitely moments of of you know he flashes out he definitely comes out he, he can make very athletic plays um but you know he is struggling now his struggles do you think that these can be correctable and, and things that he can work through with experience? Definitely. Um, I look at Kai Hester and I see a, a freshman. You know, he, he's a kid that shouldn't be playing that much right now. He should be on special teams and he should be a backup safety. But because of injuries and attrition, he, he's a starter. And by the way, he's playing injured. Um, I, I see a really athletic safety that, 
is probably going to be a multi-year starter for Rutgers that he, he uh, as unfortunate as for him as it is for so many guys in that secondary, he's just in there a year too early. Uh, I think Kai Hester has a bright future, and I think that he's going to right the wrongs that he's made on the field early in his career. So, you know, thinking about some positivity, uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, and we were in this position, I guess, in 2013, uh, you know, with Shiafi and Barnwell and a lot of those guys, and, and obviously it, it, it didn't materialize, materialize when you think about Barnwell. And, and But now looking forward, so where do you think Hester and Clayton would end up as far as their positions and playing together in the future? Well, I think, I mean, Rutgers recruited Clayton with the idea that he would eventually grow into a linebacker, that that Kasim mm-hmm. Green type of undersized, super athletic linebacker, and I, I still think that's going to happen. Hester, to me, is a strong safety all the way. He's at the right position. He just isn't experienced enough. He needs some more coaching. But I think that that's the position where he ultimately ends up. I, I think he'll be the clear-cut starter next season at that position. But Clayton, to me, maybe he'll back up Kai Hester next year as a sophomore and move to linebacker as a junior. But he's a guy that's going to fit that Kasim Green, T.J. Taylor formula that Rutgers loves of undersized linebacker that makes plays. Yeah, yeah. I guess not to be a dead horse, like you say. Almost another reason, you know, like you, if, when he gets moved down, he's getting moved down potentially as a junior, which really be, would have been a sophomore if he didn't play. But right. yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> so, I need Sam. I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, you know, I guess before you go, like you know, any, any gut feeling of what you, how you think this game will go? I mean, it, it's kind of tough to tell with these last uh, three games, really. Uh, my gut says, uh, sad to say, that uh, Rutgers does not win this weekend. I think that Tommy Armstrong's a little too much for that young defense. But five and seven Rutgers, believe it or not, could still make a bowl game. I mean, Rutgers has a very good APR, and that factors in when you look at five win teams going to bowl games. So even if Rutgers loses, the postseason's not over yet. But uh, I, I think it could be a pretty tough weekend for Rutgers. Now, there's a lot of talk about this five and seven. Uh, I, I guess I, I don't know if you have followed it. I really haven't thought about it, so I haven't really followed it. But um, what is the discussion? Is there, you know, people are really doing the math, and, and there's a very good possibility that they may be short teams. Is that what it is? Yeah, when you crunch the numbers, Rutgers, if Rutgers were to win five games, which right now it's a relatively big if, they're in pretty good shape. Um, it comes down to – it's the NCAA, so you can never really know for sure with some of their rules, but the APR plays a big part in five win teams going to bowl games, and Rutgers, for now, has a very good APR score. So even if Rutgers loses, if they beat Army and Maryland to end the year, there's a pretty good chance they go to a bowl game. Now, so, so does this mean there's no other – does that mean that there's no other – like they're not going to go over a six and six like Sunbelt team. Correct. They they would have to go through every six win team, assign them to a bowl okay. game, and then start looking at five win teams. But when you start looking at five win teams, Rutgers will be in pretty good shape as far as those five win schools. Interesting. Interesting. I guess yeah, P five team, a, a APR, but. 
Yeah. Okay. So let's, uh, that's for another topic of conversation. But, so Sam, I appreciate you, um, you know, being on the show. Let everybody know, uh, you know, where they can follow you and also uh, a little bit about your site. Yeah, uh, you can find me uh, at Sam Hellman Scout on Twitter. The site is Rutgers.Scout.com. We do tons of recruiting stuff. We try to be a more friendly message board uh, than some other places. We're a little nicer, I think. But uh, feel free to check us out. Shoot me a message, and uh, I'll talk to you guys next time, Jerry. Thanks a lot, Sam. See you. So we move into the second uh, part of the show. Uh, actually, really great conversation, Sam. Uh, went a little bit longer than I was thinking, and I peeked at the clock. Um, always a great pleasure to have him on. Um, good insight and just, uh, uh, you know, very good. He answered the question that I wanted, things that I was looking at today when, when I saw the news about Peru. And, uh, you know, I think it's just something that, that definitely – um, was a little bit more strategic uh, than anything else. You know, typically uh, coaches and college coaches want you know keep the it very coy when it comes to their players' injury status. But all of a sudden, you know, he was labeled probable, and I think the point was that he was going to play. So if he's playing, he might as well just say he's probable and get people uh, a little bit excited about the game. So I think there was some PR in that. Uh, number is 914-338-1694. If anyone's out listening and wants to call in, please call in because we we're having this discussion about, uh, you know, forget the fact that Rutgers could be 5-7 and seven to make a bowl game. I think, you know, I, I people have this uh, conception, well, if they lose out, you know, maybe Flood will get fired. And, and I'm so against that. I just can't, I can't. And it's just, to me, against anything competitive or in the nature of competition and nature of rooting for these guys who are not, you know, professional athletes who are student athletes who are out there busting their butt. And I mentioned, like I said, you know, the whole team is playing hard. Uh, You know, it may not be happening and and looking as pretty as it should, but I mentioned like Laura, Steve Longer, and uh, just the kind of effort that, that, you know, he puts out there and, and some of these guys, and he has the ability, so the effort and ability, you know, is able to make plays and combine it. Uh, but, you know, I just cannot see any good of of, of this team losing out um, and then hoping that the coach gets fired at, at you know, 3-9. Uh, and nine. Just the amount of what would happen, A, to the recruiting class probably all falls apart and, and B, around a negativity and, and – Remember, Rutgers is only in its second year in the Big Ten. A three and nine season pretty much will have everyone in the nation will. Hey, there you go. That's what I knew. That's you know why it was dumb to invite that team in. So you know I want to see the team still battle it out. Hopefully they don't backdoor it in, into a bowl game um, because they still won't have an opportunity to have a winning record. But you know, nevertheless, you take that if it does happen. Uh, you, you know, again, those who followed. Uh, you know, you realize that there's an opportunity to practice longer, and and that's you know part of why you want to do it. So anyone out there want to give some perspective on that? The number is nine one four three three eight one six nine four. So welcome to the R Big Show. Who am I speaking with? Hi, this is Chris Nowoski. What's going on, Jerry? Good, Chris. How you doing? From my uh, Chris from uh, WG Sports, another one of our sites that follows uh, Rutgers football. Well, welcome back to the show. Hey, good. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be on. Uh, I was listening to you and Sam earlier. He's great. 
Yes, yes, Sam definitely. You know, he's, he's got a good touch, and, and and I was glad he actually made the trip out there and uh, to Michigan too. You know, I tell you, it's still to me baffling when you think about that Rutgers is part of this conference, and and you know, here comes Nebraska. I mean, I, as uh, I'm, I'm sure I'm you know a little bit above your <laughs> in, in the age factor, but uh, you know, when I was a little kid, I was watching these Nebraska Oklahoma games, and uh, you know, it was just football. This is what it was about, you know, playing you know these teams, and and never would I, you know, well, first of all, I didn't even know who Rutgers was at the time, but uh, you know, <laughs> when I was at Rutgers, I couldn't imagine them playing Nebraska and Michigan, and we just played Ohio State, and you know, it, it's. Wisconsin in a row. It's amazing. It's amazing that uh, you have the opportunity to to be playing this kind of schedule. Yeah, definitely. You know, you go from the Big East where, you know, earlier, early 2000s, you played against the Miami, Virginia Tech, and then you go to, and then they leave, and then you play against, you know, Louisville and Cincinnati, and then, and then you go to the American Athletic Conference and you play against teams like Tulane and Houston and then, and then now you're playing with the big boys against the Ohio State, Michigan, like you said, and you know they had so much tradition, so many wins. Um, you know it's it's pretty crazy how you know from 2000 to now, in only 15 years, you've gone through three conferences, and now we're in like a really super stable place. And you know hopefully Rutgers find success in the years to come. You know one thing um, I've I've had uh, from. Um, Scarlet Men and uh, Scarlet Men dot com. Uh, Shannon on this show before, and uh, and it was funny. You know, we kind of tweeted back and forth, and he was about the game, and he wasn't originally going to come to the Rutgers game, and he, he ended up saying, "You know, I'm just going to go do it. I'm going to go drive." And he comes out to Piscataway for the Ohio State game, and and here's a guy. You know, we chat, and he kind of you know roots for Michigan. So I'm at the they, you know they have this golf course tailgate across from the Michigan Stadium, and uh, apparently there weren't that many Rutgers fans in that part of it, <laughs> but I so I walk around and what again was amazed again was all these people. You know, it was a guy to stop and talk to me, and he's like, you know, I root for you guys. Remember all that year from 2000? He's like, oh, I love when I see new people, and 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 he's all oh, this Carew guy. He's one of the best. You know, they love football and they know football, and it's it, you know they're interested in and and for the most they want to see us do well, and and I think that's what's kind of interesting about being in here. It's it's a lot of camaraderie, but, you know, like I said, the, the thing I want to convey, it's, you know, you see the individual players, but it's not about the players. It's it's about these programs, and, and this it just churns and keeps going. It's a machine, and and the facilities and all the things that Rutgers has to do and commit to. But, you know, as Sam said, you know, the money will eventually be there, and it's a, it's a bright future. People just kind of got to stick through this rough patch. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, it'll be a couple of years until Rutgers gets full allotment of money from the Big Ten. And, you know, um, hopefully, you know, even without that money right now, you know, Rutgers finds their success. And, you know, they get two bowl games because they get more money out of that. And, um, you know, obviously it's not tough playing in the Big Ten East, um, you know, teams against Ohio State and Michigan State. But, um, you know, I think being in the Big Ten, it helps Rutgers because, because the Big Ten is so prestigious, um, you know, it gives more, it gives Rutgers more respect. You know, now like if they, you know, hopefully if they ever win, you know, the conference, they get to go to the Rose Bowl. You know, maybe the college football playoff one day. Um, 
you know, that wasn't possible, you know, years ago in the Big East or the American Athletic Conference. Um, you know, it's a step above the rest and, you know, um, you know, a lot of people know their their football in the Big Ten and it's just it's just a whole it's it's just a whole nother world. Now, you know, obviously as we've watched the last couple of games they're a long way from from contending from that and uh, you know, when you look at coaches like, like Jim Harbaugh and Urban Meyer, and, uh, you know, the job Antonio's done, I mean, this conference, I mean, you know, now you have Penn State at 7-3. and three. It's it's a rough division. I mean, this division is one of the best. I mean, I, I kind of believe it's probably the second best in, in football, uh, in, in college football in terms of division. But, you know, the issue and, and the question, you know, we were chatting on and Twitter and, and, you know, what is going to happen with, with the coaching situation and what's going to happen, uh, you know, regardless of if, if Rutgers, you know, uh, let's, let's say they give them the Army game. You know, let's say they finish anywhere from four and eight to five and seven. You know, if they win this, there's no doubt that Flood is coming back if they win three in a row. But do you think there's a magic number uh, that, that potentially – just turns into such a disaster that President Barty has to potentially make a move? Yeah, um, I think these, obviously, these last three games will be telling. Um, you know, um, Julia Herman's been silent in all this and all, like, um, is he on the hot seat? Is he not on the hot seat? You know, Fletch said he feels support, but, you know, no one's really ever said anything about it. Um you know, I think if they win these next three games and get to a bowl, or like Sam said, um, if you if they get five wins, they might have a chance to still make a bowl game. Um, you know, I think if they make a bowl game, I think he's safe. And but if they don't make a bowl game, you know, there'll be names swirling or swirling around, and you know, maybe he won't be back, maybe he will. But you know, these last three games will be telling. Um, because you know, if they get if they only get the three wins that they have now. You know who would they be? They they would be they would have beaten Norfolk, Kansas, and Indiana in a shootout. That in the game they could have that could have went either way. Um, you know I yeah, don't know. No, I, I think, think I think yeah. In, no doubt if if they somehow lose the next three games, I, that mm-hmm. they would be forced to make a move because uh, it would unravel so bad that that. Uh, uh, the negativity that would take place, even if they have to go to an interim coach or something, mm-hmm. uh, because at three and nine plus going back to what took place in the season with, you know, at the beginning of the season, I think there's no doubt that they might be enough. Um, and, and, and again, you know, for, and this is interesting because I hear people talk and, you know, that the best thing would be to bring a new coach. But to me, I do think that, if that happened, it's still a bad thing for the program because, first of all, what coach are they going to – you know, there's so many job openings out there and opportunities for mm-hmm. coaches that I'm not sure who they're going to pull in at 3-9 and nine and sell that to. Uh, I still think that the team, maybe in a year from now, when you can basically say, okay, Kyle, you know, you all right, you might you, you were 6-7-5, and five, you were 6-6 six and six, or 5-7, and seven. you're kind of – jogging in the mud now we're going to bring someone else in it becomes a better sell but if they're three and mm-hmm. nine i don't even know if they can sell this to a a coach to come in what's interesting is the four and eight area five and seven if they make a bowl then he's coming back because they're going to basically be saying you know look at next year 
Uh, it's a it's a slightly better schedule. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a more workable schedule, uh, mm-hmm. and a lot of people are coming back instead of for Carew. So, uh, you know, that's what this game is interesting because they lose this, then you're 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 three and seven, and you're kind of heading into that whole scenario the next two weeks. But uh, uh, I think a lot of it is. But you know, I don't know if you agree with me. I, I think it's not in the best interest uh, for the team to lose the next three games. Oh, definitely. Yeah, you never want to see him lose. Um, you know, if you root for your team to lose, then, you know, you're not really a fan. So, um, you know, these next three games will be telling on Fled's future. Um, like you said, you know, if Rutgers does hover around the 500 mark, you know, it'll look better than obviously being under 500, and it'll be a better sell possibly in the future if he does let – if he is let go at some point. Um you know, there's other programs, like you said, that lost their coaches as well. Um, so, you know, it depends if the lure of the lure of the Big Ten and the New Jersey, New York area will be uh, the good fit for the coach. Well, good, Chris. I, I appreciate you uh, calling. Um, you know, let me, you know, let everybody know a little bit about you know your your site, what you do, and you write, and, and also how to follow you and where to follow you. Yeah, of course. Um, you could uh, follow me on Twitter at Chris Waski, C H R E S W A S T Y. Um, I write about Rutgers football for WGSports.com. Um, it's basically a tri-state area, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, um, sports coverage area um, from the pros to you know college, a little bit of high school mixed in. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. Um, it's nice. Um, so yeah, the, thanks, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. Um, Sorry it's so late that I called in late, but uh, thank you. Oh, perfect. Listen, and one last thing before I let you go, because mm-hmm. I know you will, will have a little bit more vibe in terms of, of you know, closeness to, to the, the young alumni and students as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what what do you think the turnout will be uh, in terms of, of of students and and also, you know, I guess the general, you know, selling this type of game out. It's still nice mm-hmm. weather. It's 3.30, mm-hmm. you know, November game. You can't ask for anything better than this. Yeah, it's a good, I, it's a good question. You know, I, at this point, I honestly think, I, I think a lot of the students are checked out. Um, I don't think there's going to be a good student showing. But, you know, I think the diehard fans will still be there. You know, I'll still be there, obviously. Um, you know, I think I think I'll get a good, you know, 40,000 or so. Um and it's still the Big Ten. The Big Ten games sell sell a lot better than the non-conference games. So, um, it, like you said, it'll be a nice day. Um, there's only like two home, two more home games left. So, you know, hopefully that will be well, a good crowd. Make sure you start spreading it out there on campus because I mean, uh, you know, I, I, the one thing I'll say this: I, I don't never, you know, I never like to tell people a how to spend the money and be out of spend the time, but. Uh, you know, I think, you know, for the students, I mean, to understand that this is, you know, this is Nebraska. I mean, this is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, again, you know, a, a dream for, for most of the people who follow this program. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping that, 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 you know, when it comes around, it's an opportunity, A, to hang out and get out there and, on a beautiful day. Exactly. And in the end, uh, that's, that section gets filled up. So, look forward. Well, again, Chris, thanks for uh, coming on the show and look forward to us chatting in the future. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me on, Jay. Always a pleasure. All right. Thanks a lot, Chris. So five minutes left. Uh, anyone else wants to swing in there, get some thoughts, um, you know, give me a ring, 914 
nine four. Thanks again for Chris for, for coming in. And, uh, you know, it's an ugly conversation to have to chat a little bit about it. That is kind of something that uh, came about um, from some Twitter chatter, and 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 you you know, not that anyone is openly saying you know. I'm rooting for the team to lose, but, uh, you know, when they say, ah, you know, it wouldn't be so bad that, you know, they lose out and they fire a new coach. And, and I just think that Rutgers is not in that position. It's not in that position where, uh, you know, it, it, they were three and nine and, and considering all the problems they have with the athletic, the problem, the, the perception that the, the program is not fully behind it from the president on down, uh, athletic director has had issues. I don't think there's too many coaches jumping to get into the situation. Uh, and then you bring in someone in who's probably uh, a Mac. And I'm not talking PJ Fleck because he's, he's would be a good opportunity, but guys that people don't know. And then that guy has to go out there and start selling to these kids. Uh, that's not how it needs to be done. I mean, to be honest, I think, you know, this team, eventually it will probably be after next year we'll make that move and say, well, you know, Kyle, you had your five years. Um, you're not getting it done. We're, we're, you know, great that you went seven to five the first year and five and seven the second uh, or, you know, six and six. But, you know, we're in this to win it and we need to bring somebody else in. And I think that's going to happen. That's where, you know, the team needs to still show that they can fight with everyone that doesn't wear Ohio State and, and you know, Wisconsin uniforms. But, uh, and then tell the kids, well, you know, you know, you see how we play against Michigan State. You see how we beat Michigan in the first year. We, you know, we beat Indiana twice, beaten Maryland twice. Uh, you know, we can play. We just need a couple of players, and we need players like you. So that's what the sell. Uh, definitely, I don't think uh, even four and eight gets coached blood fire. Uh, and and three and nine probably would, but I don't think that's a good scenario. So uh, again, hopefully the team pulls it out, and 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 this was an opportunity early in the season, looking at the schedule. I don't think it helps them that Michigan State, that Nebraska won against Michigan State because it's a new coach, and, and this will kind of give that coach an opportunity to pitch the fact that, uh, you know, follow me and listen to me, and we can win some games. So uh, we'll see. But, you know, quick rundown, by the way, on, on the Big Ten. You know, really not too many good games in terms of, uh, you know, Ohio State's at Illinois, Maryland at Michigan State, Purdue at Northwestern, who's now still back to being red. Um, Michigan at Indiana, I don't think that's going to be a trap situation. Uh, probably the game is Minnesota at Iowa, uh, you know, maybe the most interesting. It's actually the 8 o'clock uh, B10 game. I think it's a chance for the nation to kind of peep uh, Iowa a little bit, so um, I think Minnesota will be game for that, but I think Iowa will actually be taking that as an opportunity to to showcase themselves to uh, the nation. So that's the kind of that's the game which will be coming on on the Big Ten Network after Nebraska Rutgers. So uh, that's one to check out and make sure everybody gets out there. Anyway, a really good show. I want to thank Sam for all his insight and and you know, just putting together a really good show. Um, we'll do this again. Sorry for missing last week on my journey out to uh, Michigan. Uh, but next week, uh, hopefully, uh, there will be lots to talk about um, on the good end. And we'll do this again either next Wednesday or next Thursday. And I'll send it out. This is RU Fan Jerry on Twitter. Uh, as always, thanks again. And talk to you next week.